0: The Education Team for Jackson Family Wines proudly brings you these podcasts for your listening enjoyment. Hello, everybody in JFW Nation. This is Michael Jordan, sommelier for the people here, and I'm just delighted. We're going to be having an interview with Eric Kramer up at Willa-Kenzie Estate Winery in the Willamette Valley in Oregon. And I'm very excited because breaking news, you heard it here first. Uh, We have information that the Wine Advocate has given a 98-point score to one of Eric's wines. Uh, And we just, it's not even posted yet. The wine's not released yet, but we found out that there's going to be a 98-point score. And that is... The highest score ever given to a Yam Hill Carlton wine by Wine Advocate, and we are very excited about it. Can you give us a couple of the details there, Eric?
1: Yeah, uh, so we we found out about this uh, a week and a half ago, and um, uh, I, I was surprised, pleased. It was an emotional day. The 98 point score was given to our 2019 La Pinot Noir. So that is a pinnacle expression uh, from the Willakensy Estate, and and essentially an exploration of what's possible. And um, there was a question that came up to me recently from one of our wine club members who was a, a, attending uh, kind of a small, close knit event, and the the question was, what What's the ultimate goal of La And my response was well, I guess to figure out whether or not we can make a great wine here at Willa So it was nice to get that feedback from the advocate. Scores are just scores, but to have something that's validating like that after all the work that we put in over the last six years and the investments and, and all the
0: support from JFW, it's it's, it's, a, it's a pretty terrific moment. Yeah, boy, I'll see And it's the perfect lead-in for this podcast because it sets us up with what you just said. Uh, since the acquisition of this winery and, and uh, vineyard and estate, Barbara and the Jackson family, uh, since then, lots of work in the vineyard and the winery. We're going to go over those things. But primarily, you know, it's been an evolution uh, of in, of the investment. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to just ask you to expand on that. And uh, I'm sure probably it starts in the vineyard. And then, then we'll talk about, uh, you know, your kitchen remodel. The, I'm sorry, winery, you know, uh, renovation. <laughs>
1: uh yeah so I joined a few months uh, after the acqu- acquisition in 2017 and um honestly you know the first first time you take over something new you kind of have to dig in and all right and what what is it what do we have here and 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 where can we go with this and and what is its potential and so the estate itself has gone through as you say an awful lot of change and evolution some big investments made both in the vineyard and the winery. The, you know, the vineyard itself, it's, you know, we've got just under hundred acres of grapes planted on a 400 acre contiguous estate. Um, The vast majority of that's Pinot Noir. And in all honesty, there was very little Chardonnay planted here at the estate when I joined. And uh, Bernie LaCruite, one of our founders, it's funny that a, a gentleman from Burgundy wasn't a huge fan of Chardonnay, so there were only two acres planted on the estate at the time of the acquisition. And so most of the investment, the capital investment in the vineyard, has really been aimed at growing the the footprint of Chardonnay on the estate and, and giving it an opportunity to becoming to become a much bigger role player in our portfolio. So in 2018, I had a, a high elevation section of um, clone A28 butted over to uh, Chardonnay. So A28 is a clone of, of Pinot Noir that requires a lot of heat accumulation to ripen, but it was in a pretty cold spot, and I felt like that particular spot would really have uh, create the, the expression and style of Chardonnay that that I think you know fits nicely with what we're doing here at Willackenzie Estate, and then we have another four acres of Chardonnay going in later this spring. And so we will have gone from two acres at the time of the acquisition to roughly 10 acres in a pretty condensed window of time for, for the life of a winery and an estate. Um, so those are some pretty... So big investments in, in the estate vin, vineyard really aimed at growing the role of Chardonnay in the portfolio. I don't know that we're finished either. In the winery,
0: You know, it took a minute to really understand what to do here. Let me ask a question here. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to stay on uh, vineyards for just a moment. So Eric, you know, with, with 400 acres of vineyard there, and one of the greatest acquisitions of any, any winery or property in Willamette Valley, because of, of the unique, way that that property lies you've got hillsides you've got elevations it is there is no other property or estate like it anywhere in the valley that i'm aware of it's really special uh, and so much diversity with little microclimates even within just the estate itself right um you, you've put a lot of work into farming and and uh, growing, not just planting Chardonnay, but enhancing the quality of all the grapes and, and varietals you're growing there and clones as well, right? Yeah, so it's a 400 acre contiguous estate with just under 100 acres of grapes planted. It's
1: only so uh, so 25. It's so 25 percent of the estate is planted, and it's you know the best parts of the estate are planted. Um, right. What, what we've honed in on in the vineyard beyond Chardonnay is understanding yields, priorities, where the best opportunities uh, on the estate lie. I think one of the terms that I like to, to use in terms of one of the jobs of a wine grower is to find the best wine on the estate. And that's, yeah. you know, that's oftentimes um, in, not a straightforward process. And like you say, the estate is is very diverse and. We have between 40 and 45 parcels of Pinot Noir planted across the estate, these little one, one and a half acre blocks, different clone and rootstock combinations. Over time, we've developed a higher understanding of variability across the property. We've got such a terrific farming team and we collaborate quite heavily on where those opportunities are. We're tasting wine together or developing plans early enough in the growing season to say, well, wouldn't it be cool if we carved off half an acre of this one and a half acre block and use that for La Crette, Or we carved this, and that's, again, that's really, really, it's challenging from a functional perspective. But in my mind, we don't get to make wines like La Crette if we're not taking that hard of a look at the estate to try to create the best wines that we possibly can so increasing our understanding of the estate understanding where the properties are where the priorities are um getting a better set uh, a sense of where the estate needs a little bit of help with respect to nutrients nutrient management that kind of stuff so
0: right right
1: yeah we've been we've been busy for sure and from a you know well, just
0: purely from an understanding perspective just even the beginning in your onboarding, uh, becoming familiar with that many diverse small blocks of fruit, uh, you know, it's, it was t- quite a task, but it's easy to see. I mean, you are the true vineyard on, uh, living and breathing in and lots of footprints out in the vineyards, my friend, and big respect to you. And part of what I would call a, just the crack team that, that uh, has been working on, uh, amongst other things, Getting Chardonnay ripe, learning uh, when to harvest, not trying to get it overripe, but just you know picking at the perfect time, and and creating Chardonnay that is world class in in its nature, um, and I'd say second to none because what we've been tasting over the last few years from from Willamette in our vineyards and our teams up there uh, is is just earth shattering uh, compared to what Chardonnay was known as all the years up to this point it's it's a revolution in chardonnay up there uh, the way you're growing it and the way you're making it as well
1: yeah i think you know it's um yeah some of that is a fun- certainly a function of plant material and having the right selections you know on on estate. so the raw material itself and how it's being managed understanding what does ripeness mean for your particular style in terms of what we're doing at wool Estate. you know i want the wines to have enough energy and intensity to kind of Grab your intention and maintain that degree of salinity. But I don't want I certainly don't want them to be all about acid either. For me, balance, finesse, kind of that carry-through with all of our wines with both Chardonnay and Pinot, that's uber important. So having the wines have, you know, enough supportive acidity to maintain life and energy, but still having enough depth and volume to be weighty and and give you that sense of viscosity and there's a nice counterplay between that richness and the acidity that I'm certainly looking for with what we're doing. And yields is, you know, yield and yield management that plays a role there. Uh, How we're, you know, how we're managing things during the growing season, that plays a role there. Plant material plays a role there. And then certainly how we're managing things when they come into the winery, that,
0: that plays a role. Uh, I think that that's great information for all of us. Uh, as As the it's history now, uh, and it's it is historical how the quality of Chardonnay has improved in Willamette Valley. And it's a it's a community effort, you know, with planting the right clones now and finding the right clones for that spot, all the different locations, and then growing it properly, harvesting properly, and all that work in the winery is is creating just amazingly high-quality Chardonnays, and that's really great news for all of us that love to drink some delicious wine. But what you just said leads us into kind of the next question and area of this winery was historically known for some pretty massive wines, big tannic beasts, you know, I'm not ashamed to say, I mean, I I bought their wines from the very beginning and sold them in my restaurants and some of them were pretty darn tannic and, and we had, you know, we're aging wine and so it will soften up and balance out. You talked about balance and finesse and I know that you folks have done a lot of work on the winery uh, when you renovated and did your kind of kitchen remodel, if you will, that's in in a, in a whimsical way to help you to create finesse wines and really elegant, well-balanced, delicious wines from a property that tends to want to give you really big intensity, right? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So in addition to some uh big investments in the vineyard with respect to growing that role of Chardonnay, big investments in the winery. And I think, so why why invest that into the winery? One, there, well, there's a belief in the estate that that it has potential, but we need to understand it first. And if we don't have the right infrastructure, we it's harder to understand it. What does that mean? I, so I had mentioned we have 40, 45 small individual parcels of Pinot Noir. Um, and when I arrived uh, at and um, Like I knew we were gonna make some big changes in the winery, but I didn't know exactly what they were. It took a second. But a lot of that was about bringing the estate and the infrastructure in the winery back into alignment with each other. And there were simply way too many large fermenters and not enough small ones. So we now are at a place, and this is vis-a-vis the 2018, 2019 winery update, at a place where we essentially have one fermenter for every parcel of Pinot on awesome. the estate, and wow. I can't, you know, like I can't um, overstate what how big of a deal that is. Not just for how you're managing things during, you know, with respect to keeping this separate, keeping that separate, but like purely from an understanding perspective. So, like if if we want to really know, understand each block, what does it want to do, and then how do we manage it in subsequent years then we've got to have the right infrastructure to do that. And so I think about the winery itself like a big kitchen, and it's surrounded by this beautiful garden. And now we've got a lot of appropriately sized pots to take all. It's essentially like you can pick up the winery, sorry, pick up the estate vineyard and distribute it perfectly into where it should go. Wow. And so the one one four from Kiana goes over here, and the and the nine forty three from Kiana goes over there. This that and the other for every single one, and so that was that took place in in eighteen and nineteen, and has given us a you know a lot of opportunity to really uh, learn about and understand how to really effectively manage manage things both in, in not just in the winery but actually out in the vineyard because we can get all the little bits of information that we want from every single block, and. many ways we're actually thinking about ourselves like shepherds in the winery and nurture and shepherding those grapes through what i would argue to be a pretty simple process and um to your point understanding how to extract and kind of backed off and uh pretty gentle the estate does you know left to its own devices can make some pretty big nervy rustic wines and so with the kind of optimizing and backing off i think we're We've we've learned a little bit more about how to create. I mean, as a wine grower, winemaker, you wind up making wines that might resemble those that you like to drink. And I like balanced and finesse wines. So we've kind of we've done what we can <laughs> to try to to try to go down that road. And I think we're learning that it yeah, yeah, it's possible that I I, I remember when the 2019 Triple Black Slopes, when we were making that wine, and we we're kind of like, wow, triple black slopes can actually be restrained. We didn't know that. And, <laughs> didn't uh, know that. If it's if it's, ma- if it's managed a certain way, it yeah. can actually be restrained.
0: Sure. And um, so, it's it's great to have the infrastructure to go there. This is so important. I love what you're telling us because you know we we tend to try to be humble when we're out there, and you, you've heard it. Everyone listening has heard it many times about how good wine is made in the vineyard. And and humble winemakers say that all the time. But the hands and the mind of the winemaker are so incredibly important. And the choices of equipment that that winemaker is going to use for those grapes that you're growing is incredibly important, as we're seeing here. And you're talking about time that you've spent. I, I'd say, you know, uh, you certainly are listening a lot and learning a lot from your property. It's telling you so many stories and so much information that you know. I love the the term that you gave us. You know, you really have become a chef de cave, if you will. You 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 make whether in an estate focused
1: place in this you know model like Will McKenzie, you
0: you just kind of do what the vineyard thinks you know. <laughs> you should be doing when and, when you have the knowledge and the understanding of what will result yeah, in something yeah. delicious like you do okay sorry to interrupt you <laughs> that
1: that's all right um yeah but it's it's just paying attention to what the you know uh, and then and that is learning and um i think i believe and uh, that in some places that might be a little bit tougher because you've got these mer- uplifted marine sediments that want to make big wines And so you got, you know, having the infrastructure and then, oh gosh, if we do two punch downs a day down to about 10 degrees bricks and then just kind of really back off and then just gently nurture it. And that's, and then it's kind of, then we just basically, you know, give it a nice, a nice amount of time to settle um, once we've decided to make a pressing decision and put it into some very gentle barrels um, that can elevate and, uh, you know, without interfering with the wine's personality and really get to the natural expression um, that. That the vineyard wants to produce well let's just do that
0: i love that because that that will give the true expression uh without manipulating it uh and once we start manipulating to try to bend what we have to a certain style uh well we've seen how that doesn't really work and that's not your style anyway and you're so perfect for this property and the property's perfect for you I, i'm so excited to see what the future will bring because really we're just starting I think just scratching the surface of what's possible, man, Uh, you, you you know, and I I know you got a smile on your face when we talk about this stuff and and I would too. Okay. And I want to ask you about decision on um, how many really wines each season or vintage that you really want to produce and, and then where you go to with blending, you know, that wine that you're not going to use it as a single site or a single vineyard wine uh, because the blending is so important and you do that so well.
1: Yeah, well, when I mean, if for I mean for a wine like the Crat, if 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 the vintage isn't delivering you know that kind of potential, then just don't make it, and that's that's just kind of it. Um, and, and you know, so if you don't in a vintage that if you don't feel like you can make a wine in a particular vintage that causes you to stop and think for a second and then just, then don't make it that vintage. And that, and that's okay. I mean, that, that's okay for those kinds of wines, but when it comes to blending, I mean, there's a word that I like to use to describe the blending process that I feel captures it well is iterative. I mean, you're, you're, you're putting those wines together all year long over 14 months as you're visiting and revisiting blocks and tasting them over and over and over again until when the calendar, when the time actually comes when you have to make a decision because you got to bottle those wines at some point, you're pretty confident in terms of where you're going stylistically and directionally with those wines. But the assemblage, the the blend itself, doesn't need to be the exact same each year, you know, right. for whether it's Kiana or Emory or Triple Black Slubs or the Estate Cuvée for that matter, which in my mind is our flagship wine where we can get to share some of the best expressions off the estate to a wider audience. You know, it's really about making the best expression that we can from each of those parcels. And so if in one year, Emory needs a little bit more pomard and less 667, well, that's fine. Well, let's just go down that road. And like the 2019 Estate Cuvée Pinot Noir was 40% triple black. Um that's what it you know it, it that's the triple black delivered to goods in 19 and it's 40 percent triple black. Twenty twenty-one is anchored by Kiana. We just bottled the 2021 Estate cuvee last week, unfined and unfiltered. So that's coming. So that's super cool. But that's that vintage. And one of the things that we get to leverage to our advantage at Willakensey State is how diverse and dynamic the topography is. And what one part of the estate, we may have a vintage where one part of the estate in one uh, in that vintage is just like, wow, that it just slated in that vintage. And in another uh-huh. one, it might be a different part of the estate because it's, you know, it's it's one, it's it's large, it's 400 acres, but we've got two fault lines that run through the property. And the parent uh-huh. material isn't the exact same depending on where you are on the estate. And spots are cooler and spots are warmer and the influence of wind and, and all of that. It has a big impact on what happens during the growing season, and then so ultimately the wines we have to work with.
0: Yeah, boy, I'll tell you, it's uh, it's so complex for us listening to you, because there's so so much that you know intimately that. For us to share with buyers and distributors and, and guests that just love wine, we we don't want to go too far in the weeds. But what I'm saying is to all of you listening, this is such valuable information to help us understand the nature and the the true task that someone like Eric has to really know and understand each block and each row almost of uh, grapes and, and the clones that are there and the ability now for you to put uh, each in its own fermenter is for just that blows my mind. Uh, because now you have such great access and be able to m- learn even more intimately how they develop over time and how it blends you know just enhances everything, it does, yeah. Um, really.
1: Yeah, to you get know, for a wine grower, it's a nice to, it's it's a very nice to have.
0: <laughs> yeah. So for those of you listening, I want to recap this this big point that it, that I take away besides all the wonderful nuances and the amount of great information. We we've got this property that is one of the most amazing sites in all of Oregon. Well, the country okay i'll just say one of the finest most amazing sites in all of maybe the planet for pinot noir and chardonnay because really i haven't seen anything like it anywhere else and it is very special and now we've got with the winery renovation eric has a fermenter for every block that's a big deal that's a story we can tell where people can visualize and understand how he can make such great wines and why the wines are getting so much better than it, than they were even before we purchased this land. They were great wines, don't get me wrong. Some of them were amazing, okay? But overall, the quality of every single thing you're touching, Eric, has improved dramatically. So that I, we all know you are the right person for this role. Thank you. You're most welcome, Michael. So that's uh, that's time with Eric Kramer, our first podcast. Uh, we're going to do a little series of these uh, every now and then. Check back because we'll have much more information. There's so much to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about soil types and clones and and different blocks of fruit and different wines because there are so many coming off this property. And certainly focus on the things that we think uh, our sales team, the GFW Nation, can actually use. You know, we can't remember all of it, but there are some bullet points or little nuggets that we can really use when we're sitting down with a buyer or even a guest that's enjoying our wines to help them uh, tell the story of that amazing delicious elixir that's in the glass eric kramer thank you so very much thank you all for listening this is your host michael jordan Something in for the people signing off